kia and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and this is a New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Claire Mulholland from Burn Cottage in the central Otago of New Zealand. We met up with Claire in Cromwell and we talked with her about the history and philosophy of Burn Cottage and also about her journey. So right now, let's go have a chat with Claire. Good morning, Claire. Good morning. Thanks for having us here in Cromwell. Uh, on a uh, a nice sunny November Central Otago day, yeah. just a little bit of snow left on the on the ranges. Yes, luckily it was it, um, warmed up enough during the day to keep us safe at night. <laughs> yeah, so you did have a little little bit of an alarm, a potential frost. Yeah, we had a couple of nights that we were uh, concerned and uh, and watching things closely, but thankfully there was just enough movement, air movement, and and warmth still out there coming through. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good. Great. And uh, so, uh, where did your journey in, in wine start to uh, come here and be here in Cromwell at Burn Cottage? So, um, I guess Central Otago is, uh, I was born and bred in Central Otago. Um, I grew up in Maniatoto, which is not far from here, about 50 minutes, mm-hmm. a bit over. And um, it, from a farming background, um, few generations back um, uh, my ancestors came through to central Otago so it's always been home for me um, I the farming background I think was something that really you know I identified with the land and um, and looking after it and uh, was very interested from from my science I went and did some um, study in um, geography, soils, hydrology, and, and um, I guess I, I became very interested in the new, relatively new wine industry in Central Otago, and the great things that that the pioneers here were doing in the um, mainly in the Gibson and Wanaka region, and a little bit in Alexandria as well, and what success, great success they seemed. You know they were really pushing, pushing things and and learning new things and trying new things and really how Pinot Noir was was really showing itself as something very special in the region. Mm-hmm. So that's you know what I started to think more and more about that. I'd been interested in wine already, um, but so, it was, so you grew up in a farming family. Yes, yeah, grew, right. grew up in farming, which was more. Um, which was more, you know, wool and, mm-hmm. you know, sheep and cattle for wool and yep. meat and, um, and cropping associated that, with that. But that yeah, connection yeah. to this is how the land works. And yes. Yeah, yeah, this is how things are produced and, yeah. and that real interest in it. And then you went on and did the study. Yeah, and quite scientific. Yes, yeah, I started, I did, yeah, did that. And then um, I thought, well, I... I was very interested in, in what was going on in the industry here and mm. thought, well, I'll spend some time in it first and, and really get a feel for it So, um, before I do any further study with it. So I did um, a couple of years working here in the vineyards over in the Gibson Valley region um, and a little bit in Ripon and Wanaka as well. Okay. And from there went and studied um, at Lincoln University as a lot of the winemakers in New Zealand have done. Yep. 
and from there or in and around that before and after those studies and, and during at times came down back down here so mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. okay and um, so th- quite a sort of natural progression for you you sort of did the, the, the grew up on the land did the science had that interest in wine went down to Lincoln and um, well, we worked in a few wineries before that so you had quite a good you, you had a quite a good understanding of what it was about probably you know the, the farming side of, of growing grapes and and making wine yeah mm. yes well I learnt you know obviously was learning all the time and I think everyone down here at that stage was really refining you know, learning and what worked and what didn't work, given that you know the the viticulture is sort of on the edge of the of the limits, I guess, down yep. here at Forty Five South. So, yeah, um, yeah. So we that was something that has, when I look back, the viticulture has changed enormously. Um, obviously, so when are we talking? When did you do your uh, study? I did my study in ninety five. Okay. Okay, so good since twenty. So there has been yeah, a couple of yeah. decades of change since yes. then. Yes, yeah, in learning. Yes, and of course there was just a few vineyards over just starting in this Cromwell Basin, um, in the Felton Road area, and and then some along the Lowburn Strait. But there's there's definitely obviously sites have opened up or or people's. Um, knowledge of what will work and then I guess frost fighting systems and all sorts of other things have encouraged lots of different sites to open up for people as well. Right, yeah, okay, so the technology has meant that some some areas, some sites that were maybe a bit marginal have become... In some uh, cases, yeah, yeah. So there were little hidden spots anyway mm, that, would, mm. that were always going to be really good mm. um, and had natural frost drainage or um, just had those microclimates that hadn't been looked at yet, yep. but... Um, also the frost fighting, um, you know, the yep. enabling of all the helicopter work and the, the um, wind machines that has all helped. Yeah, 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 sure. And, yeah. yeah, okay. And so um, when you came back from Lincoln, what what, um, what was the next step for you? So I, I returned down here and worked um, with, with Grant Taylor at Gibson Valley okay. and worked there for several years but I was lucky enough at that time to have the opportunity to do you know vintages overseas at the same time I'd work several months I'd work sort of nine months or ten months here and then I would do uh, vintages abroad as well mm-hmm. which just as you would have seen with other people uh, winemakers it just you know fast tracks your knowledge you, you're just you know learning all the time and seeing different you know more than one vintage in one year is a really great mm. learning experience and and so whereabouts was that did you go to like different places I've, or ma- mainly france i've or? done yeah i've done um so i've done seven vintages abroad and some were there were several in burgundy um oregon um south of france and one over in um in Australia, right? Yeah. Okay. Did you have a favourite? A favourite. Thinking back, you know, the experience or yes. what was produced. Or I mean, even the location. Yeah, that. I mean, I guess Burgundy is, you know, was a really wonderful experience, and and all the history there, and to see how they're all doing things slightly differently. You know, they they've got all that history that that's always referred to, but they're all they also push their own boundaries and and do experiments and learn you know new and also obviously now adjusting to changes and um their seasons a little bit as well Mm -hmm. um so i really enjoyed that but also 
likewise Oregon and you know there's some really great people doing great things there as well so mm. it was yeah yeah enjoyed both yeah what um, what varietals did you work with in Oregon uh, mainly Pinot Noir uh, mainly yeah. Pinot Noir yeah, yeah. yeah and how about in Australia the same or um, yeah Australia was a bit of a mix because of um, you know it's quite hard to do an Australian vintage before a New Zealand vintage timing wise right. so I had um, it, it was Pinot Noir and Chardonnay mainly but it was also sparkling wine um, mm-hmm. you know enabled me to go over there earlier and, and that's harvested earlier and yeah. then coming back and then picking the still wine the grapes for the still wine after that and then came back here to right. central right okay mm. and what was the what was next after after Gibson Valley then um, at that time there was there was quite a few vineyards, go, new vineyards going in this area, but there was winery-wise, there was, you know, the all this, um, there was a smaller pool, I guess, than mm-hmm. there is now, and um, so it was sort of time for me to take a, you know, have a bigger look around, and I decided to go up to um, Martinborough, where, you know, obviously really had been some great, Pinots had come out of there and um, older vines and it was just a new um, experience for me to look at. So I was uh, Larry McKenna who has Escarpment Vineyard and who had previously been at Martinborough Vineyard, he was he was just making that move and so it was there was a um, opportunity for me to go up there and, mm-hmm. and work at Martinborough. Right, okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, someone quite knowledgeable to to work with well yeah we he got a few phone calls <laughs> but um yeah as i say he was he was on his um you know exciting new journey with this government so yeah. as well yeah yeah mm. okay and so how long were you there in martinborough um just on seven years right okay so yeah, yeah it was you know great place obviously um and that was changing a bit as well, going from some older established places to some newer yep. um, vineyard areas um, coming through and some new companies along with that. So that was really interesting as well, um, exploring new areas up there and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so there were some that you worked with that had quite, like, new plantings, new... Like, yes, I think yeah. everyone was, was also, and probably still are, doing quite a lot of planting of new areas as well, mm, yeah. Mm, okay, but yeah. you were always, you always knew you, were, you would come back here? Yes, I, yeah, I mm. had, um, I had sort of opportunities to come back in between, but felt that, you know, I was, you know, really enjoying everything up there and learning a lot, and, um, and sort of waited for, you know, to to the time that felt right and so that was a bit later on right yeah 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 okay. yes, so and so eventually you did find your way back to to central yes yeah and it had changed i mean obviously i'd been visiting um friends and family and in, in the industry um and otherwise down here so i knew that there was a lot going on anyway but um it certainly had changed with a lot of new um wineries vineyards winemakers mm. yeah yeah, yeah. It really sort of taken a, a new wave, a new step. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that was that was really good though. And so who did you come back to here? Was was I did, Burn Cottage around? I did. Uh, Burn Cottage had 
started and I had been, you know, really interested in what they're doing, but they're very much in the infancy stage, um, just really getting the um, the vines planted over a number of years and, and really getting the the vineyard or the, the property, um, you know, building the organic matter, doing work with the compost and the soil and everything as well. So basically the main concentration area there was just the vineyard and um, they had a really good team. Mm-hmm. There, um, so no, I came back. I did. I did a bit of consulting and different things, and then worked for Amersfield for a while. Yep, which was really good. Um, really enjoyed that, and great. You know, obviously great. Um, they've got a, a really um, good variety of sites there, and then they've got their um, other side to the company being the you know, the bistro and everything yes. over on the other side. So yeah, yeah. they've got a good, they've got a bigger team than most with yeah. all of that, that side of things. Mm. And they had a new winery and, um, yeah, it was it was very good to good. spend some time there and, yeah. and work with all of them in, in those vines. Yep. So when when did when did you make the move to Burn Cottage? Um, in 2010. Okay. So, yeah. Um, that was... You know, it had just reached a point where it was good timing for for Burn Cottage also to bring another person on board, mm-hmm. and um, they had had the first wine was um, had just been produced and was about to be released. So right, yeah, and good. so where are the sites now for? Oh, sorry, Burn about Cottage. to be bottled. <laughs> about to be bottled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we, we, where are the sites now for for your vines? For the vines, so. Burn Cottage Vineyard is just on Burn Cottage Road, which is just out of Cromwell. It's about a kilometre or so out of Cromwell. Okay. Um, it's heading, up under the... Heading towards Wanaka. Yep, heading towards around. Wanaka. It's um, up under the foothills of the Pisa Range mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Burn Cottage Road, yeah. So we have our winery in a separate area, which is just in Cromwell itself. Yep. And, um, you know, ultimately we'll move that yep, out there yep. at some stage. But yep. It's yeah. a work in progress. And how um, big is the planting out, out there? Just under ten hectares. Okay. And it's um but the property which is, you know, a key part of that um integrated vineyard and, and property work is with the biodynamic work is um about twenty eight hectares. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay, right. Uh, yep. So all the other stuff that you do around the yes. um, around the around the winery water. The vines and the planting, and sort of to incorporate that whole biodynamic process. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, when Marcus and and Diane first started, or you know, when the Savage family first started here in Burn Cottage, there was quite a lot of work done to just really spend time looking after the site. It had been pretty bare had been used for some grazing and that was about it so they did quite a lot of work on building up the soil with um, planting of cereals and legumes and everything okay. and, and putting that back into the soil mm-hmm. um, quite a lot of work with composting and just really setting it all up for um, when the first vines went in they all went into compost in the soil and then that was just an ongoing process for a few years to with the planting because there was no um, artificial fertilisers or herbicides or anything used at the um, in the 
yeah. any part then. So quite a bit of preparation before mm. before even the vines were yeah. planted. And we did plant. They did plant some vines um, in the second seat in two thousand three, but it was a staged process. So around that, there was a lot of that other work still going, going on for yep. the other blocks as well. And so the um, Savage family, when they first um, embarked on Burn Cottage Vineyard, they the, one of the first people they brought on board was Ted Lemon, who is the um, head consultant, and he has you know a great um, biodynamic estate in coastal Sonoma. He also has uh, a lot of experience in in Burgundy and and with terroir. Um, focused wines and and biodynamics so they you know he was really instrumental in setting out the vineyard setting getting those vineyard those separate blocks um all completely um working yeah so well defined um he also was instrumental in, in having us have several clones, several different types of Pinot Noir in each block. So that adds the complexity to a single block when right. we're picking it and keeping it separate in the winery. Okay. And he also um, you know, works with us. He covers all aspects of winery and, and you know, he has marketing um, input as well. So mm. he's, he's been a big part of the company right through um, Mm. To to this day as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. And all uh, Pinot Noir or most most all is Pinot Noir um, over ninety five percent. But then we've got a little bit of um, Riesling and Gruner Veltliner, which right, is in okay. a little sort of side valley of its own, yep. which is connected. But soils are a little bit different. Right, and yeah. so was that from the very beginning? The um that was a little bit later. Right, a little bit later. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that was the 2007, one was planted in 2009, the other was planted, whereas the main Pinot Noir started planting in 2003. Right, okay. Yeah. And so when was the first vintage? We did, um, a tiny bit came out or came into the winery for, for us to work with in 2008, but our first commercial vintage was 2009. 2009, okay. Yeah. Okay. And how was that for you? How was that experience? <laughs> well, that's I joined for the, you know, they were just finishing that one. We, okay. But, yeah, 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 but I did yeah. had tasted it, and I mean, it very, it was, um, I think, really stood out as something really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the site mm-hmm. and the way it had been made or or the way the um I guess the progression of the wine and how it had been you know, alcohols were slightly lower, the there's quite a lot of um flavour difference than probably a lot of the um people might have expected so yeah right right okay so so how would how would has that sort of evolved for you as the vines have got older have you seen a change in what's coming out of the yes yeah yeah. and i think we've there's been a lot of depth been coming you know building and coming through um but but we do have the philosophy remains that we we try and um pick at a we try and get everything to a really good maturity but still vibrant and without, you know, higher sugars that are going to lead to higher alcohols. We, we want everything to be balanced and we're really looking for the best representation of, of the site. We have um, 10 different blocks within the site and each block we treat, we pick 
separately and ferment separately and, right. and yeah. watch that through. So mm-hmm. we're learning from that part of the site as well mm-hmm. um, because the, you know, the soil is different in each of those blocks, which is why they're set out like that. And it's something, you know, we're learning all, all the time, which has been really great for this many yeah. years to learn every year about each block. Each, each individual mm. each individual place. And, and so do you keep any separate, like um, how many do you make different labels of the Pinot Noir or...? Yes, we do have, we have mainly the two labels, I suppose, Burn Cottage and the Moonlight Ray. Burn Cottage, though, vineyard is solely from our side. Yes. Uh, We do buy and we work with a couple of vineyards during the season and to get those grapes where we want them and we do um, bring in a little bit for that Moonlight Race label to accompany some of ours as well. Yeah, and and the Burn Cottage, so you, you keep them, you keep the different um, parcels or plots, mm-hmm. if you like, quite separate, um, and then but eventually you you blend it all in all in together. Yeah, yeah. So yes, it's a, and, so it's and being different. able to know what's coming out of there and how that's changing year on year, each each individual piece. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So not everything goes to the you know there's different ways they go each year um, in yep. terms of the blending yep. um, but more and more we're seeing and especially we've talked about that this year we're seeing the level was is always um, getting better and you're finding that more and more is is getting to that upper level that we're really you know happy with um, notwithstanding any unusual vintages but yeah, yeah sure yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, how about the the Grunewald Lena? How do you um, do? You like you like working with that? Yes, we've we've only had a few vintages with that. Um, Two thousand fourteen was our first. Um, so we're just we're just getting to we're getting to know it. We're learning about it, but it's no, it's very it's very um, a great varietal that shows where it's from well uh, we're at the moment however because we've got small volumes we have been blending it with the Riesling and making sort of a really they work quite well together those two varieties mm-hmm. so we've um, enjoyed what that's given us but we uh, can see that in the future there may be room to do something different there separately yep. as well yeah what do you call the blend of the it, Riesling it's and the... just called Ben Cottage Riesling Green of Outlina right <laughs> <laughs> right. So yep. there's a slight, there's a slight bit more resin planted. So right, okay. That's why that's yeah. 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 So at, at this stage, yes, we've just done that, um, and we've had, as I say, small volumes. But in the future, with a bit more to play with, we'll we'll look to do um, perhaps some separate potlings of the individuals as well. Yep. Yep. And do you think the uh, riesling from has a, has a unique uh, uniqueness to it from this? this location from this part of the from central otago because there's Otaga. a few people yeah. starting to well yes. you know, have done riesling but it seems to be getting a little bit more interest as well yes we um i guess that was it was what to plant there and and it was the thought that we really enjoyed rieslings from this region and think that there's real promise in the in the way they what they show from from where they're grown and um and Grunewaldlin are also being from, you know, in Europe from similar areas and having, working quite well on the sort of mineral soils. We've got, you know, in that area, we've got quite a lot of um, calcium laced mineral in the soil. So mm. we quite, we thought that would work quite well for those two. Yeah. Yep. And 
sounds like so Pinot Noir is where your passion is, and and what what is it about Pinot Noir that um, that you know has made you focus on that and and want to. Um, yeah, I think be working with that as a variety. Yeah, it's it's just so interesting. It's always a challenge, and it's um, it's just so rewarding as well. When you know, when if you can get everything right in the vineyard, and it's it really is such a um, represents or shows where it's grown so well. Like the the terroir really comes through and especially with, as the vines get older you notice more and more of that. So Yeah. 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 Um people do lots of different things with it, but the the ultimate is to sort of let it you know, manage it well and, and really let it reflect where it's where, where it's, it's come from. from. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. If someone's having a bottle of it of our wine in Europe they can see, you know, what Burn Cottage Vineyard is like. What it's like, yeah. 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 Okay. And is there anything that uh, you've seen going on outside of what you're doing, maybe in the region, Central Otago, or even something you've seen pop up elsewhere around the world that you've gone, oh, that's that's really interesting, maybe even in winemaking or just even a varietal or what someone's doing with a, a varietal you might have had yeah. recently? Or I think that the there's a lot, always a lot going on um, down in Central Otago yeah. and probably... Um, a lot of that feeds in from experiences with visits around the world as well. Yep. But I, I think there's there's just a lot of um, you know experimentation and different things that people do try every year and and see what works. Um, I think in general, I've noticed over time people are more comfortable with picking their grapes slightly earlier and a lot of and also having more comfortable with showing the individual sites. Um, really well mm-hmm. that's coming through more and more often for me now yeah. I see other people's sites and think well they've really let you know they've they've really achieved that from their site right yeah um, and so do you think that's uh, people becoming more confident in what what's coming out of there the, the fruit that's coming out of but also in the their winemaking process like not having to intervene maybe so much or, yes and yeah. not and yes being more confident that they mm. don't have to um, and getting getting things right, um, right or yeah. more fine tuned in the vineyard. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah that yeah. concentrating on on you know it's true that the wine is made in the vineyard, so yeah. it's just spending that time there. Mm. Yeah, I think one thing others may have mentioned about Central Otago is that there's a really you know there's an emphasis on if possible people really trying to do more organic work. Um, I guess is that people uh, realise that it's it's possible and that, you know, if you can, you know, then the, I think there's been a bit more, definitely a lot of progress in that direction down here and then the biodynamic work as well. Obviously, Burn Cottage has been um, doing that work from when they first started, but during, you know, the time since then, a lot of people have have started that sort of work and um, it really has that um, you know shows that a, more of a direct link to the vineyard I think yep. or a, the reflection mm-hmm. of their site can mm-hmm. be yeah Expressed. that much more interesting yeah yeah, yeah. good and uh, would, is there a particular uh, food match that uh, you like for for the Pinot is there something that um, you really think you know you've had and you've gone this is this is really good this is a really good 
Uh, oh, I think there's. <laughs> yeah, I think there's been. Um, it's sort of hard to pin one down because there's. Mm. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of lovely um, partners that I've you know partnership food partnerships that I've had, but um, you know it's often those those classic real savoury and um, you know the the mushrooms, the game, the mm-hmm. you know yep. duck, the yep. things like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anything anything sort of gamey and. Local. Yeah, local <laughs> ideally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, very good. And so we finish on the question of if you could have a glass of wine, uh, any glass of any wine, um, with anyone either living or dead or not yet existing, uh, who would that be and what would the wine be? Well, I was probably taking a bit of, it was going a little bit further afield here, but I just, I was thinking about, um, some of the people that I've worked with in different countries and uh, winemakers and just thought it would be great to have a some sort of progress I'm sure everyone would love this but a progressive tasting in a different country with those you know with a group of people from who you've worked with for it throughout right, um, right. and uh, you know with their selection from their country your selection from their country right. um, and just I think learning that way would always be really cool as well and also getting to see something that you really like. Yeah, yeah. So the people that you've journeyed with and Yes, your people that you've journeyed and, with in, yeah, in each place. Yeah. Um, but it'd be great to get them all together. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and hear that conversation and discussion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Well, I quite like the idea of having a progressive wine tasting <laughs> yeah. around the world. I think that could happen. Yeah. Very good. Well, thanks, Claire. Appreciate that. No thanks problem. for having thanks. us here. Yeah, thanks for coming and visiting. Perfect. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. We've been speaking with Claire Mole-Holland, uh, the general manager and one of the winemakers at Burn Cottage Vineyard in the central Otago of New Zealand. You can find out more about Burn Cottage online, just burncottage, or one word, dot com. And also be sure to check out some of the other great New Zealand wine podcasts. We talk with other people involved in the wine industry in New Zealand, such as vineyard owners, winemakers, sommeliers, etc. And you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again very shortly. Hey, kono mai. Bye for now.